Good morning and welcome once again to In Focus. I'm John Sims and with us this morning, Greg Grubb, Executive Director of Tyler's Path, People Attempting to Help. Good morning, Greg, again. And it's been a number of times now. Great to have you with us. Great to be here, of course. You bet. Uh, Don't forget, InFocus is available online. Just go to ktbb.com slash InFocus. InFocus is uploaded to our website early in the morning, the day after the show airs. And I should point out, for those who don't listen year in, year out, um, this is kind of a tradition. Right around the uh, end of the year, beginning of the new year, we always bring PATH in for an update and just a recap of what's been going on, what lies down the road ahead, PATH being just really one of the leading human needs agencies in East Texas with a mission of seeking to restore hope with a personalized approach to empower our East Texas neighbors to thrive in our community. The old hand up, not a handout philosophy, and you do it in so many different ways. Absolutely. So just for the uninitiated or those who... Um, may need a refresher course and also to accommodate some of the new things that you've uh, brought into the picture over the past year. What does PATH do? What are just some of the key areas of service to the community? Right, right. Well, we're we're such a, a locally focused organization, uh, John, that we're, we're very pleased to take that role in this community to be a, a frontline poverty alleviation agency. We have an office in downtown Tyler at 402 West Front Street, uh, we were locally founded by uh, some philanthropists and concerned citizens in Tyler 31, 32 years ago now. And uh, we are still locally funded and we're locally governed, a uh, total local agency dedicated to uh, addressing the needs of the people of Tyler and East Texas and that are experiencing poverty. And so we start with some basic needs. Uh, people come in to us looking for basic assistance with things like food, uh, rent, uh, utilities, prescriptions, uh, those kind of immediate services. We're, we're open 40 hours a week. Uh, we are, that's the lot makes us the largest uh, uh, operating food pantry in uh, local East Texas area. Uh, we're the food bank's uh, first or second largest client in the whole 33-county uh, area. And and we are seeing between 140 and 150 families a day coming in for that kind of assistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the needs are still great, um, mm-hmm. and especially in the summertime when they peak up to as many as 200, 250 families coming through. But mm-hmm. it's there. There's still those needs, and we try to be there. Uh, number one, to, to give people some reassurance, to help give them that first step toward hope uh, as they're struggling with poverty. Mm-hmm. So somebody comes in, needs help with a light bill or just uh, running a little bit short of money, uh, always there to help them. Some of the things that you do and going to your website, which, by the way, is pathhelps.org, um, housing, family case management, basic medical, food pantry, youth mentoring. You have five basic categories listed on your website. If you could just kind of give us a thumbnail of each of those, and then we'll start going into how they all tie together under uh, a program you have for what you call a select group of clients that you serve on a day-in, day-out basis. And let's start with housing. What is available? What do you do with regard to housing for folks in East Texas? Right. That's that's one of those areas that um, probably fewer people are familiar with that, that PATH is involved in. Uh, we actually own 54 homes. Um, two more are under construction and hopefully will be completed any day now. Um, but we own 54 homes inside the city of Tyler, uh, that we rent out at below market rates. And so as families move in their 
Uh, we're able to help them with goal setting. Uh, the idea is that it's a transitional situation where they're coming in, working with us for a couple of years. We help them uh, with some lower rent and help them with some case management, some goal setting, some skills, and allow them to accomplish their goals that they have so that they can stand more independently and successfully thrive in our community at market rate, either rental housing or even going into home ownership and buying their own home. So that's the housing program is is constantly changing is a dynamic that we're uh, uh, constantly working with and and really working with uh, people who who want to address some needs and set goals and accomplish them. Mm -hmm. And uh, just from listening to you, it sounds like that ties right in with the next category we want to cover, which is family case management. And maybe if you can talk about that a little bit, talk about uh, some of the specific areas of assessment and just generally how that piece of it works. Right. Um, Yeah, because not everybody is, is ready to... Uh, for to make some big life changes uh, and, and so we're pretty careful about trying to screen families who go into that program the, the family case management we're able to work with about um, 35 families uh, with a is a, about a maximum caseload for our housing case manager at this point and and we screen families looking for those who are really ready to um, uh, address some of the needs that they have uh, whether that's um, just financial needs some people just need to to be able to get employment uh, at a, a compensation that they can actually make it. Um, or one of our classic examples would be like um, a single mom coming in who who has a CNA certification. She can get a job. You can get plenty of jobs at, a, at lots of medical facilities, nursing homes, et cetera, with a CNA certification. But it's really hard to support a family on that. Mm-hmm. That's a low-wage job. But if you can back off some of the hours that you're working trying to make ends meet by moving into cheaper housing, and then you can spend some time going to school. And if you can, you can go back and get your RN in a couple of years, and you can make, you can make it on that. That's, that's a livable wage, and mm-hmm. there's plenty of those jobs available here as well. So that's kind of our classic example, somebody that needs to work a few less hours so that they can invest some more time in something else to help them improve. Mm-hmm. Um, we have folks that, that have had bad credit issues. They wound up with, uh, for one reason or another, with bad credit, so they are not able to uh, rent a decent property. Uh, we can move them in, work with them, help them clean that up over the co- next couple of years, get them to where they are. They can make it in in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people just need legal issues, time to clear those up. Uh, they've got a bunch of tickets that are outstanding, or lots of reasons why people are being held back from full employment or livable employment. Uh, and and it's so that's the kind of folks we are working with. We help them to identify what those needs are that are holding them back help them to accomplish those goals. Mm-hmm. Visiting with Greg Grubb this morning, Executive Director of PATH, People Attempting to Help of Tyler and East Texas. And we do mean East Texas. We'll talk about that a little bit more later in the show as you've expanded your area of service. 903-597-7284 is the phone number. You can email info at pathhelps.org, physical location, 402 West Front Street in Tyler. And your Monday through Thursday now have been for quite a while, right. 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. That right. website, again, lots of information on there, pathhelps.org. 
Uh, we've covered housing. We've covered um, transitional housing, family case management. Uh, let's move on to basic medical. There are a number of services you provide in that area. Dental appointments, eye exams, eyeglasses, short-term prescriptions. Let's uh, maybe go through each of those categories and explain how it all works. Um, yeah, we medical issues are, are clearly identified by our public in every survey we do as, as one of the large needs in our community. And there are other organizations who are addressing different areas of those needs. And so a lot of times what we do is somebody comes in and they have an identifiable need is we can refer them over to our friends over at Bethesda Clinic or, mm-hmm. or the Public Health Service or uh, lots of other places are, are providing some sort of medical assistance. Uh, we have a, we've had a dental program for 20 years now, uh, and, and it, the way it works is we have uh, 20 dentists uh, in town who have g- agreed to donate one appointment a month to our, our people. And so we're able, if, if somebody needs something very simple, like a basic extraction or something that's a simple office visit, we can refer them uh, to one of our dentists uh, sometime usually during that next week or so, try to get them out of an emergency uh, until they can get in to see uh, uh, their regular dentist or or one of the other uh, Mission of Mercy may come through or, mm-hmm. or Bethesda's dental program, lots of other options, but sometimes they'll take a little while to get into. So it's, it's more of an emergency basis. And that's kind of the way all of our all of those basic medical services are geared toward trying to get people out of some kind of immediate crisis. Uh, if they've had a prescription, we talked about, you mentioned prescriptions, if they've had a um, an accident or an infection or something and they've gone to the emergency room, they, they come away from there with a a written prescription but can't afford to fill it well we can help them we once a year we can help them with a prescription um to get get that filled up to a 50 dollar limit um so so it's not something that that they can depend on or rely on but it helps to get them out of an emergency bind okay and the food pantry that is one of your focal points and very familiar to the public, uh, a lot of folks who donate to PATH are going to donate food, and that's where it's headed, to the food pantry. Right. Uh, just a little bit about how that works. Yeah, we're, we're, we're pleased with the way we're, we're handling the food pantry these days. Is we, we try to make it an environment that's very pleasant and, and very honoring and respectful. So we don't assume we know what people need. We don't pack up. Uh, sacks of groceries, and then as they walk through, hand them a sack. Uh, they would be they would they would be very grateful to receive that. But what we try to do that we think is a little more honoring and a little more useful to them is we, as each family comes into our food pantry, this is after they've been upstairs and seen our caseworkers. Every family that comes in has a private conversation with our caseworkers. Right. If they determine that food is one of the items that, that they need, one of the services that they need, they'll send them straight downstairs to our food pantry and they'll immediately go through. They'll walk through, actually walk through our food pantry, our shelves in our food pantry. They're labeled and they're ordered um, just like a mini uh, grocery store would be is definitely not the selection of, of Brookshire's or one of our great chains but it's it's clean and it's well labeled and well stocked and so they can go through and pick the items that they need so we'll have a group of stock uh, shelves full of vegetables and they can pick the vegetables that their family eats so that if they don't eat spinach we don't give them spinach they get the, the items that they need for their family 
Um, so we, it, it's called a choice food pantry. So that's the concept is allowing people to, within certain guidelines, and basically by based on the family size, we have guidelines for the amount of food that they are able to get in a visit. And they're limited to, to once every 30 days on a visit. Um, but um, within those amount guidelines, they choose that they get, they are able to choose the foods that they need. And so we try to have uh, canned uh, vegetables. We try to have fresh fruits and vegetables as much as they're available. Uh, we have meat, always have some meat items in the, our freezers. Um, we try always to have uh, toilet paper and diapers and soap and shampoo. Those are our most precious items, frankly, um, because uh, the food, canned food is available in a lot of forms and a lot of places, but those personal care items are expensive and are not available everywhere. So after they walk through the pantry, they are they're guided along with one of our volunteers who kind of a personal shopper situation. Uh, they After they get through all of our shelves, then they actually help them carry their groceries out to the car for them uh, so it's it's a it's our goal is to make it a very welcoming uh, honoring environment where we treat people well mm-hmm. and youth mentoring bev's kid reach mentoring program been in place for a few years now it, it has uh we and we've done that um uh, uh well at, at times and not so well at times in my personal opinion i really like uh the way things are headed these days we've got uh, a full-time uh, coordinator for that program. Uh, we're matching up uh, n- more matches than we've ever had. We've got, I think, 35, 36 active matches right now. Uh, and this is where an adult uh, makes a commitment to spend at least an hour a week with a child. And we match them up very carefully. Uh, they know what they're getting into. Each of them know what they're getting into. Um, the parents are our guardian, are our have to sign off and have to meet the mentor uh, and approve that match. And so it's a very, it's very much of a team effort where um, everybody's on the same page and, and it allows the child to have somebody, a, a stable adult voice who can speak into their situation, who can hear their side of things and can be someone to help guide them through and keep them, uh, keep them in, in a good, stable situation, keep them on the right path. Sometimes the, uh, um, all of us parents have, have gone through that. We know we need a little help from somewhere, and that may be friends or or, or, or church members or relatives, uh, but everybody needs some help, and that's what it's, this is designed to do is, is to help the parent or guardian uh, with a child who is who would be an, at an at-risk category, somebody who, who might be uh, likely, more likely than most, to, to have trouble um, uh, either behaviorally or developmentally. Okay. And now we talk about how it all ties together. Um, You have what we referred to earlier as kind of a select group of 60 families. And just to crunch a few numbers here, you're uh, working with 100 to 150 people a day on a walk-in basis. But you have about, what, 50, 60 families that you work with uh, in the long term. basically people who are involved i believe in the transitional housing program but uh, who have maybe kids who are involved in the child mentoring program and uh, other categories coats for kids the christmas gifts the seasonal uh, projects that you do let's talk about the the emphasis on the particular families that you're working with on that longer term and um, how that's going how, how it basically works for them and what kind of success you're having with it 
Yeah, we call it a multi-generational approach, Don, where we're, we're, we're focused in on the whole family. And we've, we've decided to make that commitment uh, to those families. It is. It's the families that are in our transitional housing program, uh, plus the families who are involved in our, in our BEVS Kid Reach mentoring program. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, there's a fair amount of overlap there, but there are also some uh, folks who are not uh, involved in both programs. It's, it's always their choice, uh, what they're involved in. Um, and, and we've committed to, for the, that two-year period at least, we've committed to doing everything we can to help them accomplish their goals. And if, if they can get a, a stable and healthy place to live, if they can get some, por- some support to help them uh, with their kids that they're trying to raise, um, if, we can, if they can get some help um, with, with their financial issues, I mean, even things like the income tax return preparation, we do that every year to try to help them not spend that $200 that they would spend for a simple tax return. We've got a volunteer program where we can get their taxes filed and e-filed and get their refund to them as quickly as possible. Um, the coats for kids, where we try to make sure their coat, their kids are have a coat for the winter who, so they're not going to be ill and missing school and mm-hmm. start falling behind. The Christmas gifts, we, we deal directly with the, with the parents or guardians in that and let them identify what they need to help them provide a decent, not an overabundance, but a decent uh, Christmas holiday for those kids. Uh, so it's, it's everything we can to help those families um, learn to not only work together as a family unit, but but to get to where they depend on each other and and can accomplish those goals they have and they can thrive in our community as our mission statement says mm, so okay. yes we that's our commitment is to pull everything together uh, that we can to to help those families and so we we invest a lot of time a lot of staff time um, and, and a fair amount of resources into those families. It sounds as though that's really a centerpiece, if not the centerpiece, of the work that you do. Keeping families together, using that multi-generational approach, really looking at the mission of PATH as being very largely, uh, if not primarily, family-oriented. It, it is to me, and that's that's definitely the focus that I've uh that I've emphasized since I've been there. You know, I came into this job four years ago after quite a long time of volunteering and and being part of this organization in the past. And um, that was definitely my thought coming in was that this housing program could be a real centerpiece to what we do, that we're going to always be that that agency of kindness that people who, who are in need can walk in and get some immediate help and we may not have ever seen them before and we never may never see them again that that's okay and we're still going to continue to do that somebody in this community needs to do that but to really make an impact in the community i see this focusing in on families 50 to 60 families at a time um, over a two-year period that as we get them to where they're more Self-sufficient is one word. Independent is another word. Uh, to where they're um, more less reliant on outside help, especially any kind of government assistance. We're really trying to get them to where they're not relying on that, and and it, it just does, does wonders for them and 
more especially for that next generation, for those mm. kids that we see coming in. Sure thing. Greg Grubb of PATH, Executive Director of PATH, people attempting to help in Tyler, our guest this morning on In Focus. I'm John Sims, and we mentioned Smith County, but a little less than a year ago, I guess around last May, you made a change that uh, you really worked to get the word out about, if I remember correctly. Right. It was on the news and whatnot. Right. Uh, it's not a Smith County only agency anymore. Still primarily Smith County, but now you serve surrounding counties as well. Let's get a recap on what went into that thinking and how it's been working out over the past eight or nine months. Right. Well, um, it, it seems to be working well, John. I, I, I appreciate that. Um, what 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 drew us uh, to this decision, and, and this was a part of our our board's strategic planning process uh, we, that we went through a couple of years ago, where we right. talked through this, and and made that decision. Um, what what drew us to this was the realization that 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 Tyler and and we're located in one spot in downtown Tyler, and Tyler has become such a hub. Uh, for for much of East Texas and to all of us that are in Tyler we gripe about the traffic because the population of Tyler doubles during the day yes. because people are coming in here to work and to go to school and to get the medical resources even to do shopping and so there are a lot of people in Tyler uh, who don't live here at night and there are even people from outside Smith County who are coming in and what we identified at, at PATH was that we had people coming to us for assistance who didn't live in Smith County. As we asked for some proof of their residency, we found that they were outside Smith County. And so as our mission was purely Smith County for the first 30 years, our, our goal, our our attitude had to be sim somewhat protective and, some, and somewhat um, uh, enforcing boundaries. And, and so that made us uh, have a culture of saying no and of trying to keep people away many times. Mm -hmm. um, that was a culture that I really wanted to change. I want us to be an agency that tries to find ways to say yes. We try to find ways to help people who are looking for help. People who are coming into PATH are, are not looking to, to get rich. So they're not looking to scam us out of out of everything that we have they're looking for help it it take it's it's takes a lot of humility to walk into those doors and i recognize that and so we're trying to find ways to say yes so our board we looked at the numbers we, we saw what we saw was all the surrounding counties around smith county had worse statistics a higher poverty rates lower average income rates and fewer numbers of services and assistance agencies than Smith County had. I mean, there's still great needs in Smith County, and we realize we've got some work to do to to reach out to all of Smith County as well. But we also saw that those surrounding counties had even greater needs. So we just decided that eventually, long-term, we would like to not only reach out further in Smith County, perhaps with some satellite offices in maybe Troop or Noonday or Lindale, but uh, to to help reach the county because Smith County is kind of stretched out and it can be quite a quite an effort to get downtown at times. Yes. Um, but also looking at those surrounding counties to, to see if there's some way we could help out, not to go in and take over, but to try to help the agencies that are already there provide additional assistance. So that's kind of our broader view is is that ring of counties around Smith County, those nine counties 
uh, circling Smith County, we said, okay, there may be some way we can help there too. Our first step toward that was to say, okay, we're going to quit saying no to the people who walk in the door who live outside of Smith County. We're going to ask the questions first. How can we help? Okay. And so that's what we're doing. We're see- And what we're seeing uh, is somewhere around four, five, six, eight families a day are coming in from out, appear to be outside Smith County. So there, there are some. It's not a huge number, but, it, but it's not zero either. And so we, we see people who are in because um, they have a relative who is, is in the hospital and they're stuck here taking care of them. Um, we have people who are in town because uh, the court system is here in Tyler. Um, we have people who are coming into work, and and even though they're working eight, ten, twelve hours a day, they still can't make it and pay their bills, um, and so they're needing a little extra help. Uh, lots of reasons why people are in Tyler and Smith County, and so we're at this point we're we're saying we're our first question is not. You know, are you from inside or outside Smith County? Our first question is, how can we help? Okay, very good. And it's still a new program, and I guess uh, a year from now we'll get another update on how things are going. Yeah, we would love to have the financial stability to be able to, to enact that strategic plan a little further, to, to reach out a little better. Um, but uh, we're having to live within our budget as well, and so we're taking things a little step by step. Okay, which leads me into our next topic, the need for consistent, unrestricted funding to allow flexibility to address the changing needs. And uh, you always need donations, but uh, you told me a lot of times people, foundations, donors like to designate their money for, let's just say, the food pantry or Bev's Kid Reach. And that's fine, but you really need that unrestricted funding if you're going to stay on solid financial footing. Right. That's exactly right. Uh, there, there are a lot of reasons uh, for that, and, and a lot of the nonprofit world is, is addressing that, that same issue. Um, but uh, restricted funding is, is, is good in, in that it can target funds toward a specific uh, purpose. Um, but a, as a nonprofit agency, we are legally bound to utilize those funds exactly for that purpose that was designated by the donor. And we we live with that. We are we are doing that consistently, and we're honoring every donor's wishes. Um, what that doesn't allow us to do then is to be flexible and to address the out of the ordinary issues. You know, I talked about us being locally funded, locally right. uh, organized, right. so we don't have to report to uh, Dallas or Austin or Washington D.C. when we see a need that we want to address and try to change. If if our our management and our board um, is united, we can move swiftly to address an unforeseen need. Um, what we can't do is take those dollars that have been restricted by a donor for one specific purpose and take those over there. So it it makes us less flexible, less adaptable to meet the needs. Uh, it also uh, it limits us in that we can't, um, we can't, we don't use those funds to uh, pay for um, uh, overhead or, or developing funds or, or anything other than specific services. So, unrestricted funding is is awesome. That allows us to meet the needs that we see because we are a frontline agency there, and we see those needs walking in our door every day. And, and we're accountable for that, and we report on, on that constantly. 
and uh, and are always open to questions. You you mentioned the uh, website and the email address, and and we get emails. I, I get emails every day from uh, somebody wanting to know more about PATH, and we are happy to address all of those inquiries. Okay, you can donate online, of course. Go to pathhelps.org. You can also volunteer. We only have a couple of minutes left in the show, but I do want to take a moment to uh, discuss the volunteering piece and if you do go to that well probably the quickest way to handle this is to encourage folks to go to the website and look at all the different opportunities that are available you can mm -hmm. volunteer for path in a lot of different ways so if you're interested make that phone call or go to that website um, pathhelps.org the phone number of course 903-597-7284 as we wind down the show i think it's also important to remind everybody that the need is not only there but it is growing fortunately you tell me it's maybe not growing quite as quickly as it had been the last few years yeah uh, it looks like our overall numbers are going to be um five percent or less higher than the previous years which uh which which is a good change um uh, and I'm hopeful that that means that there's there's some stability in the economy and, and folks maybe aren't hurting as badly. Uh, we're going to stay optimistic and say that may be uh, part of the case. We did have our highest month ever, our single month of August was our highest uh, expression of need. The most number of families came to us looking for assistance. But overall for the year, it's just a slightly above the previous year. And so we're, we're hopeful that uh, we're flattening out on the need side. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that the need is going to go away by no. any stretch of the imagination and donations and volunteers. Just any way you can help Path out, just so very, very, very important. Even as you continue on with uh, newer wrinkles like the change to the Smith County only policy, the emphasis on the particular families you're working with and the multi-generational approach, um, things like that are always going to be tweaked and updated and we'll continue to find out more and more about how they're going from really really from one day to the next no two days are alike at an agency like yours i'm mm. quite sure mm. also wanted to just briefly mention things like coats for kids the christmas gift uh, program christmas in the neighborhood the seasonal things that people may want to kind of keep tabs on and of course every september you do path week you had another successful path week this past year things like that just for folks to keep in mind as we move on and as path continues to do its best to restore hope with that personalized approach to empower east texas neighbors to thrive in the community. We are out of time though, but Greg Grubb, Executive Director of PATH, thanks again for joining us today and getting us up to speed. Thanks, John. I appreciate that. And I would mention that the Facebook page would be a good place to get info to. Okay, great, as is so much the case with everybody these days. Greg Grubb of PATH, our guest. I'm John Sims. Thanks for joining us. See you again next week on In Focus.